Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. On radio. On radio. More of the good stuff. Cliffcentral.com. We're always about the good stuff. It's another Wednesday. I'm Puma Shekho and you're tuned into Womanda. And it's like cold and rainy in Joburg. A very irritating kind of cold and rainy that we're not used to here in winter. In winter. And my guest has braved it all. Woke up feeling unwell this morning and she's braved it all and she's come into the studio and we're going to be chatting with her a little bit later. But there's so many things happening this week. There's so many things happening this week. Um, Yesterday we saw Caitlin for the first time and I'm like, I haven't seen all the pictures and it's still quite an exciting and I think there's a... There's a new world order and I really want to have a conversation someday soon with somebody about the meaning of Caitlin and not so much the meaning of Bruce. But there is also the World Economic Forum. I've been telling everybody outside um, that I have such FOMO. Thank goodness for me that we've got live crossings over every morning to the World Economic Forum happening in Cape Town. So my FOMO is a little bit under control for that. But the World Economic Forum talks to happening in Africa is the Africa chapter is really about Africa and Africa's growth potential. And this morning I was, um, reading up on on the financial viability of Africa's economies. And I was thinking, oh, my God, this sounds like such a big thing. It's so big. It's so out there. We're fastest growing economies around the world is happening. The growth is happening out of Africa um, on average 5%, except South Africa is only growing at 1.5%. And I was wondering, what can people do for themselves? And a friend of mine has been telling me about the fairy godmother. <laughs> and I was like, fairy godmother and money, really? And and I spoke with her this morning. And Donna, hello, Donna, welcome to the show. Oh, hello to me. It is so fabulous to be sprinkling my fairy dust and waving my wand over you and the whole of Kids Central today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, you're also waving your money wand um, starting next week, Monday. You've got an online financial savvy um, 12 week course. Tell me a little bit more about that. Great. So, Pumi, what I do as a fairy godmother is I help people get clear on their dreams and goals and vision for their life, and I help and support them to make that happen. And one of the things that I've found in my work over the last decade as a fairy godmother in this country and around the world is that one of the things that most stops people from living their dreams and achieving their goals is money is how am I going to pay the bills? Is can I really go and live my dreams and do what I love? But how like how's the money gonna work? And so because of that, about six years ago I started to teach in the area of money, how to get financially empowered, how to create real money magic in your life. Because I'm very blessed to have come from a family where I was taught about money. I was very blessed to have done a financial degree um, and to have put these principles into my own life. And and I really saw so many of my clients really struggling with money, whether it's struggling with debt, whether it's struggling with how do I save, whether it's struggling with how do I really become wealthy when I've got bills to pay, when I've got cars to pay off, when I've got kids to put through school, etc. So one of the things that I do as a fairy godmother is I absolutely wave my money wands and help people get empowered financially. We were just talking this morning. We're always talking about money with the hub in the hub uh, outside the studio here. And we we're talking about how easy or it is to be happy or unhappy when you have got money. Does money give you happiness? And I saw that when you sent me the, the article about one of the beliefs that stops people from actually becoming rich or getting financial security is actually a belief that's very much based on that, that money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there are wealthy people, Pumi, that are happy, and there are poor people that are happy. And there are wealthy people that are unhappy, and there are poor people that are unhappy. So happiness or unhappiness has got nothing to do with money. However, you and I both know that emotional roller coaster that money sends you on. So you get your salary at the end of the month. You go into that like end of the month weekend feeling flush, feeling excited, or you get your December <laughs> bonus, and you're like, woohoo, I'm and, on top of the world. And then the in-context, and then you the in-context start coming in, tick, 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 every and, time somebody and, withdraws their money. Absolutely. 
And then suddenly, by the middle of the month, oh, my goodness, I've got to put it on the credit card. Oh, my goodness, where's the money going to come from? And then you start feeling down. You start feeling depressed. You start feeling, so money does that. Money can really play with our emotions. Um, And one of the things that I teach in my 12-week Money Magic program is how to get into a great relationship with money so that your emotions don't aren't so volatile. <laughs> really? Can that happen? Can because money? Absolutely. You know, I've Absolutely. got a friend. I've got a friend who who always says to us that her mother, when she was growing up, her mother always used to say to them, kind of on the twenty fifth or so, "I've got a very short temper. I've just been paid." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you know how it is, Pumi. Money can be really volatile in terms of your emotions and emotionality. And most people have never been taught how to deal with money. So think about it. In your in school, you're never taught about money. No. So, no. It's always about train A and train B. It's never about wallet one and wallet two. Exactly. So then consider your parents. What did they teach you about money? Did they teach you how to budget? Did they teach you how to save? Did they speak to you about investments? Did they speak to you about investing in property or investing in unit trusts or etc.? No, probably not. In fact, only 7% of the world's population are wealthy. And the wealthy people tend to teach their kids about wealth because they tend to speak about money. For most people, the, the message that you hear about money from your parents is there's not enough. It doesn't grow on trees. That's so true. I never yeah. think about that, actually. And now I, I spend my time kind of trying to. And it's, it's funny also how you, you then also, as you grow older, try and compensate um, for the things you never used to have. Now that you have the money to buy it for yourself, you don't have to ask your parents for it. And if you've got children trying to compensate for the childhood you've never really had, now that you've got more money than what your parents had. Exactly. Exactly. So we don't learn any lessons about money. In fact, to me, you are more likely to speak to someone about a one-night stand you had last night than you are ever to speak to them about money, about <laughs> how much you earn, about what your, how much debt you have, how much you've invested in this property. We never speak about money. Money is the ultimate taboo subject. Yeah, because we're told it's so crass to speak about money. Exactly. Don't you dare speak about money. And so guess what? We never learn about money. Mm. The only thing we learn about money, the first time we get a salary paycheck. Woohoo! <laughs> I've got a salary paycheck, but we don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And and also, you know, one of the things, I mean, the four beliefs, let's just talking about the four beliefs that, that you say, somebody else should do this for me. And I, I found that that resonated so much with me because when I was looking also in Africa, you know, we depend so much on on aid. We depend so much on external investment coming into the into our countries. And the one thing every time something goes wrong in this country, we talk about it scaring away investors like the, the investors are going to be the, sh- the knights in shining armor that are going to help us out of our money situations. Exactly. So these are the four beliefs that I really wanted to share with you, Pumi, that stop most people from creating wealth, that stop people from ever getting into a relationship with money or starting to invest or starting to save or getting out of debt or earning more. And so these four beliefs are probably hindering you right now as you're listening about shifting your relationship with money. So the first one is, Somebody else will or somebody should, somebody else should be doing this for me. So, and particularly as women, we give away our power when it comes to money. Yeah. We're hoping that our parents, we're hoping that our spouse, the man of the house, we're hoping that our financial advisor, someone else is going to sort out our money situation. Mm-hmm. The reality is that you are the only person who can be responsible for your money. And until you realize this, very, very little will shift for you. Until you keep, you know how it is, if you keep giving away your power, you're never going to get empowered. Yeah, that's true. And so it's not up to anyone else. It's not up to your company to sort your money out. It's not up to your boss to sort your money out or your husband to sort your money out or your financial advisor. No, it's up to you to take charge of your own money situation. The second uh, belief to me is I'm not good with money. <laughs> I'm good with spending money. <laughs> exactly. And I think most people are. We live in a culture where we're good with spending money. But you know that thing like, oh, no, I'm not good. I hear this often on my courses. People will come and say to me, you know, is there much math on this course? Am I going to have to do figures? Because I'm, 
I'm not good with math. And because I'm not good with maths, I'm not good with money. Now, this is one of the biggest misnomers. Money and maths have got nothing to do with each other. You don't have to be good with maths to be good with money. Let me tell you, when I say 20 rand plus 50 rand, you know that that's 70 rand. That's all you have to know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So many people believe that they're not good with money. But the truth is that you're not good with money because you've never learned about money. You've never been taught. Your parents didn't teach you. We've already spoken about this. You certainly didn't learn in school or university about money. Your companies don't teach you about money and how to handle money. And so the only way you can become good at something and learn how to do it is when you actually learn about it and have daily experience with it. So learning about money and taking small actions over time will really begin to build your confidence with money. So like most things in life, it's really about confidence around it. Absolutely. So, you know, most people say, I don't know how to save. So I say to people, well, have you ever been taught how to save? Of course you don't know how to save. Oh, I don't know how to invest. All this investments, I mean, what is a unit trust and what is a stock and what is a share? And, oh, no, it all sounds too convoluted for me. Well, why? Because you've never been taught about it. Sure. It's like going into your first job, Pumi. When you went into your first job ever, did you know exactly what you were doing? <laughs> no. I still go into some jobs not knowing exactly what I'm doing. You had no idea when you went into your first job what you were doing. All of us, we had no idea. We went in these big, wide eyes. We walked into the first job, and there was someone to train us, and they were showing us all this stuff. And we looked at them, and we said, geez, how do you know how to do all this stuff? And they were like, easy. And then you'd spend, uh, you know, some time learning, and you'd make mistakes, and you'd cry your eyes out. You'd go home, oh, my goodness. you say to your mom, I'm never going to be good at this. And then six months later, a year later, you're in the job, you're feeling confident, it's all great, and the next trainee comes in, and it's now your job to train them, and they look at you with these wide eyes, and they say, geez, how do you know how to do all this? And they go, and you go, easy. Sure. And spirituality and money. A lot of people kind of feel like money is the root of all evil. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's so fascinating for me, this one. So there's a lot of beliefs about wealthy people are greedy or wealthy people are arrogant or it's not spiritual to have money, right? One of my fabulous colleagues and teachers wrote a beautiful book called, um, and now it's gone straight out of my head. <laughs> how to make, it was, it's called How to Make a Profit and Still Get to Heaven, right? So, you know, many people believe that, like, you can't get to heaven if you're going to be super wealthy, right? And that is such a misnomer. So there are many beliefs that going around about wealthy people are arrogant or wealthy people are nasty. And this belief stops many people when it comes to building wealth. We don't want to be perceived as greedy or devious or too materialistic, right? Yeah. Or crass. You said earlier, if I speak about money, people will think I'm crass. I know, like uncivilized. <laughs> the truth is that people who are wealthy have merely learned about money and they are taking actions to make their finances work for them. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. In fact, to me, being wealthy helps you to make a bigger difference and a bigger contribution in the world. I've certainly seen in my life, as I have consistently grown my wealth, as I am moving, and I'm a few years away from financial freedom, maybe two or three years away from financial freedom, which means I never will never, ever have to work for money ever again. It's a very empowering place to be, let me tell you. I can choose to do the work that I want to, not for money, but because I choose to do it. Sure. And the reality is how you choose to behave with your wealth is your choice. So whether you choose to be greedy or you choose to be arrogant or you choose to be generous or you choose to be fabulous is a choice. It's got nothing to do with the wealth. Mm, that's a big one. So, and, and this one I quite liked because it has a blank in it. It says, I'm not blank enough. <laughs> exactly. So what are you not enough of to me to be wealthy? What would you say? I'm not what enough? I suppose experienced. Okay, so I'm not experienced enough to be wealthy. For some people, it's I'm not smart enough to be wealthy. I'm not good enough to be wealthy. I'm not old enough to be wealthy. I'm not young enough to be wealthy. I'm not white enough to be wealthy. I'm not black enough to be wealthy, right? Whatever that is, these are the beliefs that we carry with us. And this type of belief keeps you repeating the same money behavior over and over and over again. It keeps you stuck in your current situation. So the key to shifting all of these beliefs, whichever one it is, whether it's someone else should do it for me or I'm not good with money, or wealthy people are greedy and I don't want to be greedy, or I can't be spiritual and wealthy, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not good enough at math, or I don't know enough about money. 
the key to shifting all of these beliefs, getting out of debt, building your wealth, having the money to be able to live your dreams and do what you love, which for me as a fairy godmother is what I'm passionate about, is to really start improving your relationship with money and start taking action to put positive habits in place to start making the shift happen. So here are three quick tips of how you can start shifting your relationship with money immediately. Pumi, the first is to make a commitment to money that you'll treat it with respect. What does that look like? I love that. Make a commitment to money. Yeah. And I thought, hmm, how does one make a commitment to money? So I want you to imagine that money is a person, Pumi. Money is a person because everything's energy, right? You are energy. I'm energy. This chair that you're sitting on right now is energy. These radio waves coming through to our listeners are energy. The listeners are energy. And... The reality is that everything is energy and money is energy. And we have a relationship with all of the energy that's around us. So if you imagined money as a person and you were in relationship with money, what does your relationship with money look like at the moment? Sure. And for most people, their relationship with money is pretty abusive. It's more of a take than a give. Exactly. So you're taking for money. You're expecting money to be there. You're expecting money just, you just spend money. You don't even know what money likes. You don't even know how to treat money, but you expect it. Huh, money, I'm calling you. Where are you? Be here in my life. Yeah, be here in my life, but I'm not going to treat you. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even going to learn about you. I'm not even going to spend time with you. I mean, can you imagine if you treated the boyfriend the way you treat money? Sure. Yeah. So that's what I mean by, and this is one of the themes that goes through my whole 12-week money magic program, which is, your relationship with money and building your relationship with money and imagining money as a person. And we go through the six stages of how do you build a relationship and how do you get into financial freedom. And so the first thing is make a commitment to money and to treat it with respect. Just like, okay, if money was a person, let me start thinking about money as a person. The second thing is to commit time, energy, and effort to the relationship. You know, Pumi, that for any relationship to work, you need to commit time, energy, and effort. If you spent only an hour a week with your boyfriend, wouldn't He's be much of a relationship. Boyfriend. He's not your boyfriend. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if he only wants to see you an hour a week, he's definitely not the right man for you. <laughs> okay? But if he wants to see you on the weekends and spend time with you, that's how we build a relationship, by committing time, energy, and effort. And it's the same with money. So start reading about money. There are loads of books. Go to the late, go to exclusive books. Take your Kindle, download, go onto the internet, free, Google, money. Start watching YouTube videos about money. Start reading autobiographies of the billionaires, the people who have made loads of money, right? Listen to radio shows about money. Yes, listen to Womanda on the third Wednesday of every month because we're talking about money. Exactly. So the beautiful thing for you is when you do that, you'll find that as you're talking to people about money, you start learning more and more. You yourself personally will start learning more and more about money. Yeah, as of last week, I'm I'm actively getting a will put together for myself because that's what we were talking about last Absolutely. week. Absolutely. So suddenly, because you're learning about it, you go into action and that's what happens. The more you learn, the more you're going to be able to go into action. So seeking out advice or coaching on how to improve your relationship with money. Money mentor. A- I loved that. I looked at money mentor and I thought, what's a money mentor and how does one go about finding that? Absolutely. So whether it's a course on money, whether it's a book on money, whether it's chatting to a financial advisor, or whether it's finding a money mentor, Pumi, start seeking out advice about money. You're never going to be wealthy if you don't seek out advice. And you know that the top people in the world, whether they're in business, whether they're in sports, whether they're in fashion, whether they're in radio, have coaches, have mentors. So if you want to be wealthy, if you want to move into financial freedom, you've got to have a coach, you've got to have a mentor. And finding a money mentor is about finding people who are already wealthy, who've already done it, and asking them if they, they will mentor you, and you can ask them questions. But that also means that you've got, to, you've got to learn, that you've also got to have the questions to be able to ask them. Sure. And so you've got this online, it's, it's 12 weeks, so that's a long time, that's three months of intensely every week um, being part of this online money magic program. Yeah. It starts so, next week, Monday. The next one starts next week, Monday. Absolutely. So I run them about three times a year to me. The next one starts next week, Monday, the 8th of June. And basically it's an online program. And every so you can do it from anywhere, wherever you are. And in fact, I have clients around the world. I do my work in the UK, the US. So I traditionally have people from around the world doing it. 
And um, basically what happens is every week you receive a module from me. And a module is a document for you to read. There are videos for you to watch. Sometimes there are audios for you to listen to. And that's the theory that I'm teaching you about money. When I said you've got to learn about money, it's literally the theory from the bottom stage, right? Then every week there's a closed website where you feed back on the exercises that you do. So every week there are two or three exercises for you to do. Some of those are written exercises. Some of those are actually practical exercises to start doing with your money. Right? Sure. So you were talking about like creating a will. In week 11 of the program, I get everyone on the program to set up their will. Wow. Right. So by the time you finish the 12-week program, you have a toolbox of all the money tools that you need to create financial freedom. So the three months, those 12 weeks that you're on the program with me, you'll have all the tools by the end of that. Now, you will not be financially free by the end of the three months. <laughs> you will not. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's up the expectations. <laughs> this is not a get-rich-quick. Anyone who teaches you about get-rich-quick is trying to make themselves get rich quick. It's a scam. It's a scam, right? This is, if you put these tools in place in your life in the next five to seven to ten years, depending on what your base is to start off with, you will be financially free. So sure. these are tools that I've put into my own life over the last seven years. And in two to three years' time, I'll be financially free. That is amazing. Fairy Godmother, I definitely feel like I've been touched by a fairy this morning. Lots of things to think about. And... If anybody wants any more information, I'm also going to put this out there when I put out the podcast. It's www. Fairy Godmother. How did you come to that? <laughs> Fairygodmother.ca.za. Yes. Well, because I'm a fairy godmother. And so, oh, it's a long story to me. But I became a fairy godmother 10 years ago. I had a vision in a night bus in Argentina. I was on a sabbatical. I was traveling around. And I had a vision that my purpose is to be a fairy godmother and to help people with their dreams, their goals, their vision for their life. And uh, and it's been a decade, almost a decade, of being a fairy godmother. And, yeah, I've helped now thousands and thousands of people, written books, you know, doing radio, doing television, doing these courses, doing workshops, doing retreats. And I do my work around South Africa, uh, in the UK, the US, Europe. Uh, in three weeks' time, I leave for Spain to do some work there. Yeah. Donna McCullum, you are wonderful. Thank you for coming and chatting with us. That's Donna McCullum, everybody. She is also the author of The Fairy Godmother's Guide to Getting What You Want. Thank you for coming with and chatting with us. And I, I hope everybody goes on, on this course. I'm actually thinking I might do this course for 12 weeks. I'm going to have a chat with you about it. It sounds like a very exciting course. And I know somebody who's been on it and raves about it all the time. So it's definitely yeah. something... Thank you so much, Donna, for having a chat with us. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to me. And if anyone wants more information, fairygodmother.co.za. Also and also, if you don't want to do the course, but you want some tips and tricks, some, I've got loads of free videos on my website, free content, free articles, free downloads. So even if you're like, mm, I don't know about the course, but you want to start your money journey, Come and download some of my free stuff. If you want a little bit of fairy dust sprinkled in your life, definitely check it out. Fairygodmother.co.za. Thanks, Tony. Thank- Bye. Bye. On radio. More of the good stuff. Cliffcentral.com. More of the good stuff. And as we've been talking about making money, living your dreams, getting what you want, sitting right across from me is what I like to call definitely Africa's can-do spirit, uh, a very chic African. And that's not, that's not a, a, a double, double entendre. It's not just about anything. You should see her. She looks fabulous. Her name is Wendy Glow and she's marketer extraordinaire. Comes from a very big life out there, marketing South Africa, selling our tourism industry, and now has started a very fascinating journey. And Wendy, I'm going to play an ad, let you catch your breath, and just before we get chatting about what Chic African is all about, if I can... Uh... Hello. Hi, Dave from A1 Builders in Pretoria. Yeah. It's Dan. I found your number on the internet, and I need you to build me a room, the purpose of which I cannot disclose. Fine. It's a sunroom. Can you start immediately? It's 4 a.m. I'm sure it's 4 a.m. somewhere, Dave, but here in SA, it's 10. You mean USA? There's more than one Pretoria out there. For the quickest and most efficient way to find what you're looking for, start your search with yellowpages.co.za or download the app Yellow Pages for local, reliable results. Yep. Uh, Speaking local, thinking global, Wendy... 
tell me about so you've started this huge and you're on a what did you call it birthing journey a birthing journey <laughs> absolutely <laughs> why okay i i think birthing is a gruesome horrendous uh barbaric experience but why do you, why do you say that this is a birthing journey for you it's birthing because i think um it's giving life it's giving life to something that has existed in 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 one's head and existed in one's upbringing that um as a woman um you know it comes naturally that we shall give birth um it comes naturally that we will get that life partner and live in a house with a picket fence and have two two and a half kids um so we grew up in that kind of environment in that society where those messages were always around us um and then when i found out that um after a gruesome operation about four years ago that I couldn't physically give birth. Um, that really transformed my life because I had to ask myself different questions um, that required different answers. Um, and my life had been pretty smooth sailing, um, pretty much. Well um, done. Smooth sailing is an understatement. You started, um, <laughs> you started uh, in marketing and yes. went straight to what I think is everybody's dream job in marketing. A, you're selling your country and B, you're in foreign countries. So you're living the kind of life that every kind of 20 something, 30 something year old wants to have. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think South Africa has been very good to me. Um, I also think that I've been very good to South Africa. Um, yes, um, it was smooth sailing. It was, um, stuff I'd never dreamed of. You know, this is a girl from Port Elizabeth from a township. Um, who went to, um, you know, a, a good school. I think I had parents who had the foresight to understand at the time when we were living under riots, we were living under, you know, um, a state that was very repressive, um, who said that the gift that they can give me is that of education. What I do with it um, is that I should make myself proud and not them proud. And that was, it's always been really a, a sort of a guiding um, sentiment in my life. So, but how do I make myself proud? Um, so when this, uh, opportunity with SA Tourism landed, um, to live in Germany and to work in Germany and then subsequently to work in the UK in London and I was away for about six years, it was, um, it was almost like this is what my life has always meant to be. Um, I went to boarding school at 12. So I've been very independent from a very young age. I've been an individual. I've been nurtured in a way to understand how to tap into me, but also be able to reach out to others. Um, and travel's always been part of my life. Um, and to give you some context, my father, Kimosot, uh, my mother is Kosa. I speak Kosa to my mother and I speak Soto to my father. <laughs> so that's the life I come from. <laughs> and they speak Kosa to each other. So Of course. It's, yeah. That's why it's called a mother tongue. Absolutely. So um, I think me being away from South Africa was just a continuation of a journey that um, has always been about me. I've always been a wanderluster. I've always been curious. I've always been, um, wanting to travel. I've always wanted to, to see the world through the eyes of the people of a particular country. I've always wanted to immerse myself in, in cultures that are different to mine, um, to learn more about mine, actually. Um, and the time away actually gave me uh not only solace and 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 i guess an independence and the ability to do good work for our country and to stand up against all odds um for our country but i think it also gave me the opportunity to really come into my own um it's 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 quite something to get home um in frankfurt and the only tv station that's in english is mtv um there's only one English cinema in the entire Frankfurt. There's only one theater house that's, that is English in the entire Frankfurt. There's only one um, bookshop that sells English books. And you therefore have to immerse yourself in, ter in terms of learning the language, learning how to find your feet around um, doing groceries, understanding what meat is called in, 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 in German, but also making friends and saying that I'm going to literally open myself out up to this opportunity and let it transform me. So my life has been, um, in retrospect and in hindsight, um, whether it be SA tourism, whether it be brand essay, my life has been about 
telling the story of South Africa in a way that is contextualized, in a way that is respectful, in a way that is transparent and truthful, but telling it with confidence. And that's really been my life. So when you put together, yeah. I mean, I've got it playing here in front uh, of me. Uh, the website is called chic, C-H-I-C, African.com. Um, it is beautiful pictures. And the first thing that comes up, you know, it says art, design, books, travel style, people, everything. And, and those are not the first words that come to mind when one thinks Africa. So what is it that was this? And I mean, you, you see all kinds of people on this website. What is it that made you want to do this? Personal frustration. I was tired of not seeing the African in the day-to-day narrative around myself. Um, and my experience um, having lived overseas, I think um, I had thought at the time, um, looking at South Africa from an outside point of view, there'd be an opportunity to bring in these luxury, global, international brands into South Africa because nobody had really done that. Um, and it was only when I got back that I realized, actually, I'm perpetuating a stereotype that I not, don't particularly buy into. Um, and that stereotype of um, Africans being put on the periphery and not being at the core and the center of telling their own story. Um, so the frustration for me um, was a personal frustration. And it came about because I was looking for a book by my favorite, one of my favorite authors, um, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She's a Nigerian writer. Um, and I was looking for it in a book. And they're making a film. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they're yes. making a film around one of her books, yes. Half of a Yellow Sun. Half really are. So, with the most awesome. Yeah, no, <laughs> she is, she is just awesome. She's just awesomeness herself. And there's a, there's a, um, a TED talk she does called about, um, the stereotype of a single story, which is something that I live by. But mm. anyway, so I was at the bus- this bookshop looking for, um, I think Purple Hibiscus actually. They didn't have it on the shelf. But the one thing that struck me on that day, and I'd been to the shopping center many a times and it never struck me before on that particular day i was struck by the fact that african literature was put away in a corner where i had to go and look for it and it 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 just gave me a sense of what's happening here i'm an african in an african country on the african continent and my stories are put away in a little corner that seems insignificant, that seems ugly, that I have to work hard to find. And on top of that, they don't have the book that I want and they're going to order it from an overseas supplier. So, okay, that's (laughs) like you and I have like hippie, (laughs) hippie, hippie thoughts. We're fighting this fight, true Africans out there. Is, but maybe people are going, eh, no one cares. No one cares about the story of Africa. People now more than ever before, we're like regressing. I think as Africans, we're regressing. We're like the Greeks. We're selling more skin likeness than ever in the, on the continent, in South Africa and on the continent, even though they're illegal. Everybody's got fake hair. Everybody's got a fake American accent. Everybody wants to be something other than African. Is this viable? I care. And that's important. And I think um, because I care, because I'm passionate about it, because I believe in it, um, that's why it's important. But um, I also think that there are many stories to Africa. There are many textures to Africa. There are many layers to the African continent. However, the single story that gets keeps on getting told, um, I believe that it may be valid to some extent, but I certainly want to add value to another texture of the African continent. I want to tell the story of an Africa that is creative because it does exist. We inspire designers across the world. We inspire thinking across the world. We inspire stories around across the world, but we don't tell our own stories. So So I'm the one then that decided that in spite of everything else, in spite of the quagmire that we, we, I think we keep on steeping ourselves into. Um, I'm going to tell the story of Africa that is beautiful, that is sophisticated, that is chic, that makes me as an African and other Africans look at ourselves and say, you know what? We belong to the center of the story. We're tired of being on, at, at the periphery and we're going to create the platforms for us to do that. We're not going to wait for somebody else to do that for us. So you care. Um, and you were just telling me about, you've got a Facebook page. 
also Chic African. Yes. You've got Twitter. Yeah. Chic African. Chic African. African. You're starting a blog. There's so many things yeah. happening around this. Yeah. Do other Africans care? You were just telling me about how they do. It, this has been received. They do. And, and that has been the, the, the biggest shock for me because, um, you know, when I first thought of the idea and the concept, and I was very clear about one thing that I wasn't doing a project. I wasn't doing something with, um, an end line. So I wasn't in the business of doing a project that needed, you know, um, a finance just for me to do something quickly and get out of it. I'm very clear that I'm building, um, what I believe is going to be a legacy about the African continent in terms of its creativity. Um, but at the first instance, when I thought about it, I thought I was actually talking to consumers who were international, who had an affinity to Africa and South Africa as well. Coming from my tourism I, and background. When I saw, when I saw this, <laughs> when I saw this and I first read about it and I thought, oh, this thing is for white people outside of this country. It's for hippies out there in the world. Yeah. It's probably in Amsterdam, yeah. uh, wearing sandals and like frocks. And, and I thought, oh, I don't know if this thing's for me until I, I then went into it. And when I went into it, I thought, oh, this is classy. <laughs> says I could do this because I did. I really mm. did. When I saw Chic African, mm. when I saw the dot com, when mm. I started reading about it, I thought this ain't for me. This is not for me here in Johannesburg. This is for somebody over there and they're possibly also European and this is kind of and, and it's exactly the same thought process that I, it, I mean, the same assumptions that I had made, um, writing the concept document, um, and, 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 and putting my all into it. I, and it came from, um, having spent time at airports in my entire life and seeing, especially at Oratambo, people are leaving carrying these little giraffes. So you almost feel like they want to take a piece of Africa with them somewhere. So maybe I should actually create a place where they can continuously come and get this piece of Africa and make it easy for them. A friend of mine actually has a term and I, I've never <laughs> laughed so hard when I first heard it, but it, it, I was reminded of it. When I first heard it, we were working on AFCON mm. a couple of years ago and, and she said she was a marketer. She said, what she doesn't want is she wants something for real Africans and not this ethno-bongo, Afro kind of touristy thing. And and I had forgotten about that word. And when I first thought chic African, I thought, oh, here we go again. Ethno-bongo, touristy. Crap. And then you look at me and you see chic African. Yeah, when I look at you, when I, I I'm like, oh, this girl, nalis so. No, but then um, and then just to continue the story, when I started the Facebook page, which I started on my own, um, it was really to test whether this frustration that I had personally would resonate with um with 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 other people, and the the most surprising thing for me was that the uptake um and we're sitting at just over 17,000 um fans on and um on Facebook is that they're Africans. That's a lot because this this hasn't been live no, for a long no, time. Not at all. The website only went live late January. Um and I mean I've I've been working um until sort of end of February full time at a job. So this was something that I was doing at late at night not sleeping. But the the surprising thing, but the gratifying thing, the fulfilling thing for me was that Africans were responding to this. So of the 17,000 there's um, a large number from South Africa, from Ghana, from Nigeria, from Mozambique, from Angola, from the UK, from the US. But again, it's people diaspora. Who, from a diaspora, <laughs> you know, so I'm appealing to Africans who saying, you know what, actually, I now see myself in this beautiful, sophisticated way. I now see myself and I can go to a place where that story is being told and I can discover other people that I never even knew about that are doing amazing things around the continent. And 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 for me, that's been really gratifying to say, wow, it's turned my business plan and my business model completely on its head. So tell me what's mm. your business because mm. this is the other thing. Yeah. As I'm looking at this, yeah. I'm thinking, Mara, how does she make money? Yeah. Now when she's talking about all of these things, but how is she making money? And um, as you heard with the fairy mm, godmother, mm. money money makes the world go round, and it certainly makes uh, your emotions stable. Mm. So what's what's the business behind this thing? Well, so we're telling people about sure, the site. Sure, but the, what are you? The business about it is is um, first and foremost, what Chic African is 
is a digital content and e-commerce platform. So what we have started with, um, because I've been financing it for the past two and a half years, is that um, I wanted to, I guess, um, disrupt the notion of content around the African, around us and, uh, and the African people always being about poverty, hungry children, and people looking for aid, and nobody telling the story of the other side of Africa and saying, actually, in all of that, we find a space to be creative, we find a space to be inspirational, we find a space to be sophisticated. So let people us People are living here. People are living here. So let's, yeah, exactly. So, and they're living diverse lives. So if you, if you're only going to tell the single story of Africa that's been perpetuated over and over and over again, when are we Africans going to tell the other side of who we are? And that's really, so firstly, was about delivering compelling content and finding the content in the different categories that you see on, 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 on the website. Um, the first part of monetizing that is, is through advertising. So we're now working on, the first thing we're working on is building numbers, is making sure that we have a substantial number of people who are visiting the website who are, um, subscribing to our newsletter and making sure that we have a, a case with which to go to advertisers to say, Here's a space and a platform um, that you can use at our discretion in a way that is 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 aligned to what Sheik African believes. And here's a space you can tell your story as a brand and get people to know about your story. So that's the first part of monetization that we're going to be doing is um, doing the advertising route, but trying to do it differently, trying to do it in a way that doesn't make it like a jamboree. So I'm not going to come to this gorgeous site and, and then see a, a jamboree of, of banners. And, and then there's going to, okay. Yeah. So I we're going to do it in a, too. yeah, we're going to do it in a very okay. sensitive manner and make sure that it's aligned to the brand. Number one. Number I two. I also don't like being followed by cookies. <laughs> Once I've been on your site and then the next thing I'm on something else. Don't laugh like this. You know what I'm talking about. I do know. I do know. So we're looking at all those sensitivities because also there are sensitivities that I have myself um, as, as a consumer of online platforms. Um, and then the second part of it is that we're going to be launching um, as soon as one gets that one investor who believes in, 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 in this vision, who believes in, in, in the power of digital technology, who believes in the power of telling the African story. We're now going to be launching, um, we're hoping in spring of this year, the e-commerce side. What does that mean, e-commerce? E-commerce means that I'm going to be able to, you're going to be able to buy the product that is related to the categories that are over there. So under design, we've got beautiful furniture, we've got beautiful p- small pieces, vases, um, and all those sort of things. You're going to be able to go on the site and actually be able to, A, read the story about that piece or about design in Africa or a designer in Africa, but also be able to buy that and have it transported to you. So that, that, that's going to be the, 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 the second part of the, of the, of the monetization. And then there's also, um, quite a big opportunity that's coming up. I can't go into too much detail about it. Come but on, it's, a, it's, a, it's potentially a TV show, um, on an African channel, um, that's going to bring chic African to life. And that will also help with the monetization in that it exposes to a huge audience, but also in packaging um, the advertising around that, one can then combine both the online platform and the broadcast platform and actually give advertisers a real tangible, compelling, um, you know, platform on which to, to have themselves. I will go into online publishing, so we will um, also be doing a magazine called The Chic African. We'll be going into developing webisodes, so this smaller TED Bona, Talks. Webisodes, yeah. webisodes, <laughs> this is a thing. So we'll be doing small TED Talks, having Africans tell their stories. And I'm very particular about stories being told in that I don't want just stories of success. I want stories that are real. Um, so in me building Chic African to date... I've spent a lot of my money, you know, and I've, I've said to, to my parents and to close people that I've never ever been so broke in my life yet ever so happy. And that means a lot to me because I understand the power and influence of money to turn dreams into reality. So am I using my money to buy the latest car? Absolutely not. Am I using my money to build a legacy business? Absolutely. Yes. And that for me 
is how I have a relationship with money today, which is very different to the Wendy who was on a salary every single month living and, 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 and having a very different relationship with money. So debt doesn't scare me today. Um, in fact, cause I understand how debt can be used to build dreams. So I understand the difference between bad debt and good debt. And I've come to that realization and I'm very comfortable about it. So, um, We'll be doing TED Talks and I want those TED Talks to be about the realness of people. Tell me about your failures. As I said, um, I'm now comfortable four years later to say that I've been told medically and physically that I can't have children. Um, Chic African for me is therefore a birthing. I've now given birth to a child. That child may not be conventional, but certainly it is as powerful, as meaningful, as fulfilling to me as a child is to a mother. And I think for me, that's, that's really the stories I want people to tell. The real stories, the painful stories, but also the stories of how then they transformed through those painful experiences or through those trying experiences to be where they are. So I don't want these stories of, you know, I'm going to talk to somebody who's now peaked and the story that I tell is just about their peak. There's a journey that they took. Tell me that journey. Because that journey is, is, is what sells people and resonates with people. And speaking about being a, a, a mother, all children, all mothers have dreams for their children. Mm. So what's your dream for this child? Oh, she has to grow. She it's has. It's a she. It's a, it's a she. <laughs> okay. Our countries are she's. Important people are she's. Um, she's a she. Um, she does, she does have tendencies of behaving like a he, but she is a she at the fundamental core. Um, the dream is for her to conquer the continent. The dream is for her to be the authority on all things chic, beautiful, sophisticated, creative, and celebratory about the African continent. I feel like I should be going shate. But also her dream is that she is going to be the Amazon of Africa. So when people think about chicafrican.com, I want them to think on the scale of amazon.com. Um, she's going to be... The disruptor. She's going to be the solution creator of also, um, how we move goods and services in and around our continent because a big part of the business is about logistics and distribution. So somebody orders something in Ghana. How do I get it there as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible in the manner that the brand promises? So it's about saying that beyond the, the front end that you see, there's a back end as well that is very compelling in terms of saying, how do we as Africans move goods and services around our own continent in a way that is efficient, world-class, but is owned by us? Bona, you're, you're, you're raising something. Because the idea for me, you know, moving goods and services around Africa is one of the ways that we're going to stop being 54 individual Economies, 54 different countries, and we're going to be one Africa that, that can actually fully realize its potential. So I want to know what is, what is the monetary platform of your, of, of, so as you're monetizing mm. it's an e, e-commerce mm, wara wara, mm, you know, mm. is this, is this going to be a dollar based economy e- platform or is it going to be an African based African new African based? So we'll be using products like M-Pesa will be um what we have found through our research. Which is you know, I love Mbesa because yes. very few people know it comes from Kenya. Yeah, it comes from Kenya. And we need to be able to use um solutions that are created by our own people. Um so the solutions that we're using in terms of fulfillment, um we're trying as much as possible to make sure that they are in tune and are driven by the insights of who the African consumer is. Um, and, and at the very core of what I do, that's my first point of reference. So your M-Pesa products, um, what we have also found is that cash on delivery on the content is very big. Now, no one will tell you this in research because tell, people will tell you about the global sort of brands that you can use, um, which one will use because that's how you get out into the market. But cash on delivery is a very Big way of 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 delivering and and trading on the continent. Yeah, I still so, pay for my Mister Delivery guy. Uh, you know what I mean. So how do we then make sure that Chic African responds, not just in its look, its feel, its content, its 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 e-commerceability, but in the way that it does business? How does it respond 
to the African insight and the African consumer. Um, and that for me is something that keeps me up at night. It keeps me excited. Um, and then the big thing that I think I've realized in the past two months is how do we revolu- how do we revolutionize how we move goods and services on our continent owned by Africans? Why do we not own the entire value chain? Why not out of every single rand do I as an African through chicafrican.com not make 90 cents? Mm. Why does, why do I only make 20 cents and 80 cents goes offshore? That doesn't make sense to me. So it's really taking, taking this whole concept and this business and turning it on its head and, and finding that investor that believes and understands in the fundamental value, the opportunity, the viability, the profitability of a business such as this one. And please note, I'm not calling it a project, a business, because I'm building a business. You're building a business and you've jumped in with both feet. You've quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> you spend, you, you give every waking moment and probably also sleeping moments to this business. Um, and for you today, where are you that you weren't when you were working for somebody else? Sure. I'm at happiness. I'm at a place where I, I, I'm, I'm following what I believe for the first time is a calling. Um, and with, with huge respect to, to my jobs, I think all my jobs have led me to this. It, 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 it when I look at everything that I've done, ultimately I'm a storyteller. Um, I happen to use marketing and communications to do that. That's a skill that I have. But um, everything I've done, my travels, my meeting people, my networks, have really led me to chicafrican.com. Um, where am I right now? I'm at a place of happiness, of joy. I'm at a place where I fundamentally believe that this business is going to be a success. Um, and the reason why I had to leave my job was because had I continued to do that, um, this would just be a hobby. This would be just something that I go to once in a little while, um, brush it up, make it look nice, talk about it, but leave it. But I had to actually say for it to live and to breathe and to become the success and the viable business opportunity that it is, it needs me. And, and, and I'm out, I'm not a place where like all children, like all children, mother. but it also needs aunts. It needs uncles. It needs investors. It needs, you know, it needs all, it needs a whole load of a community. It needs a village you know? to grow. Yes. A village to grow. Um, but knowing that it's mother is ever present. Um, and it's given me clarity of mind. Um, and the most important thing is that it's opened me up to receiving. Um, it's opened me up to, to getting to know the continent on a very different level. It's opened me up to creating relationships and friendships that I never thought were possible um, because of my own stereotypes. But it's also opened me up to, to I think, love in its purest form. I'm, I'm no longer scared of love because this is love. Um, and if this doesn't scare me, what else could possibly scare me? <laughs> well done, Mama. Well done, Mama. Thank you so much, Wendy, for coming to chat with us. And as I look out the window, the other chic Africans are here. The fashion show, uh, the the business of the business of fashion. That's what they talk about coming up at one o'clock. So thank you for for chatting with me, and thank you for all this this amazing and good luck. Thank you. Good luck. I'm in that village, girl. I've I've been drawn. You are going to be in that it. village. You are going to be kept in it. When I when I and we will not cookie you. We will not cookie you. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for Africans that don't eat other Africans. Thank you very much for coming to chat with us. It's six minutes. I'm going to play out with one of my favorites. It's it's a little old, but it's still one of my favorites. It's Salif Keita. Um, Africa. Oh, African. Uh, for the Chic African. Africa for the Chic African. I'm back here again next week on Wednesday. Join into Womandla. We're going to be talking more powerful stories of women out of Africa. Join me then. Cliffcentral.com.